This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. This episode of All Possibilities is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. Dignity. This is one of the most crucial needs for anyone. Too often, tragic events and tough times can make dignity more difficult to maintain or even find for some. The good news, dignity is teachable and learnable. Coming up, you'll hear from Michelle Giovanni Lopez, who, after running away from home at only age 17, carved out a successful life, discovered her own dignity, worked to help victims of acid attacks, and even became a coach and inspirational speaker, helping others with their life choices. And she founded Dignity University, which teaches how to live a life by your design and leave your mark in the world. Plus, she'll offer you specific questions to examine your own life. Welcome to the All Possibilities podcast. I'm your host, Julie Chan, intuitive life purpose coach and founder of Being My Purpose. Together, let's embark on a discovery of all possibilities. Hi, and welcome to All Possibilities. Thank you so much for joining us today. I am here with Michelle Giovanni Lopez, and she is a thought leader in global transformation, and she's really committed to empowering people to reach their full potential. So, Michelle, it's so great to have you on the show today. Oh, thank you for having me, Julie. It's an honor to be here. So, I met Michelle at a, I believe it was a, maybe it was a yoga event that a colleague was doing and we started talking about uh, my background and her background. We talked about spiritual experiences. So that was the first thing where I was like, ooh, you know, I love, I love just diving right in there and <laughs> talking about the stuff that no one really, you know, leads with. So let's start there and, and talk about what was your kind of spiritual experience like when you were growing up and, and what did that look like for you? Yeah, I remember it like yesterday when we had that conversation because I had um, just got back from Maui and in Maui I felt like a, like a mystic out of the closet. In New York I almost feel like I've been in the closet and just afraid of like what people would think. Um, but growing up... I I went through a lot of different experiences from speaking to what people would consider um, extraterrestrial to having out-of-body experiences. Um, and at a very young age, due to the things that were happening at home, I turned to spirituality. Like, my faith was all that I had. And um, it carried me well until today, and I'm sure it will continue to do so. Um, but my faith had led me to just really be on this search for truth, what is really real. Um, and in that search, I just had a lot of awakenings on that everything I thought I knew was a lie, that the structures of the world weren't what they are, and um, just really learning how we're all healers and we're all teachers and students and light workers and that famous quote um, that everyone is chosen but not everyone chooses is just so real for me and it comes to light and um, I'm in the business of really awakening myself through these experiences and and I say myself because I really believe on a spiritual context that there are no others, that um, we are an extension of one another and the one. So it just really solidifies for me that um, that our spiritual foundation is everything. That's what's real. <laughs> Can you bring us back to one of those moments, maybe when you were a child and you were having this, you described it as extra terrestrial or out of body experience. What was, what was going on and how did you feel about it? Well, the out-of-body experiences began when my mother was going through a very harsh divorce. And at that time, it wasn't even a divorce. It was a very harsh marriage. And he was very physically and verbally abusive. 
Um, and I remember praying, okay, I don't want to be here. Please, God, take me out of this situation. And I was basically praying for death um, at a very young age. And I remember hearing a voice that said, listen, you're not alone. And that stuck with me, that voice, because that voice was now in my... 30s, I've done um, ayahuasca ceremonies, and I have heard that voice again, even more distinct through the ceremonies. Um, but I remember it clearly. I was, I must have been 11 years old when I heard the voice, and I remember closing my eyes because I felt the presence that I wasn't alone in the room. And um, and all of a sudden, as I really close my eyes and I'm like breathing and breathing, I'm seeing myself outside of my body from the ceiling looking down and I'm like oh my god I can leave my body like it was like this like mental awakening like oh I can do this and then um a few times I started practicing that where I could would leave the house when things got really bad I could just leave my body and just travel but I remember this is when the internet started coming um like this is when we started having internet and chat rooms was a big thing back then. So I, I started. Those. <laughs> <laughs> so in these chat rooms, I started asking these questions. And um, eventually I got, I forget who it was. I mean, that was years ago. But someone told me about a title of a book that was about out-of-body experiences. And I started researching on it and just answering a lot of my own questions through that book. What was that book? It was, I think it was called out-of-body experiences. <laughs> I think it was very, um, but it was, it really talked about how we are spirits having a human experience and how we're in the body, the body is in us, and that how through our consciousness we can actually move anywhere. We are multidimensional. So imagine at 11 years old, like, reading this. At first I'm like, what did I fall into? <laughs> But um, when my teens, gradually, my mother's marriage started getting worse and worse, and I started running away from home, um, it got to a point where even that I suppressed to the side because I felt like I wasn't being rescued or saved by these experiences. Um, so I started running away, and I got involved with drugs and partying um, until I became, I was 17, and I was old enough to run away for good. So I ran away to New York um, when I was 17, and I didn't have anything. I didn't even bring a suitcase. I didn't bring um, nothing. I just literally had one of these, like, fanny packs. Um, and we didn't have cell phones back then, so my beeper didn't work in New York. Um, but I remember being in New York. It was my first winter, and again, I had that presence of, like, you're not alone. I was staring outside of JFK. It was Thanksgiving Day at night, and I'm just, like, staring into the snow that was falling. I mean, it felt like a movie scene, and um, I'm like, holy shit, I made it. Like, I, I'm here. Um, but I was in a daze, and I remember this police officer coming up to me and saying, because I was, I was 17, but I looked like I was 12. I mean, I looked like a child, and he's like, where are your parents? Why are you outside? And I explained my situation, and I was in tears because I hadn't told anyone. Um, and he was just shocked to hear this child talk um, about where she ran away from and what was going on back then. Um, and I was he sent me to a homeless shelter. But the thing is that I never... I never had been on trains like that, so I didn't know how to get around New York. Um, so I was lost in the subway for a few days. and um, But I wasn't afraid. Julie was the most amazing experience to look back and see how courageous I was um, to be in New York in a very scary place at night, to be honest, in certain places, <laughs> and, um, and not feel afraid at all. It was like an adventure. Like anything was better than being at home at that point. Um, and just fast forwarding, I got into college, um, and college became kind of the safe haven, especially after being homeless and 
in the streets of New York. Um, college was like a dream. And I hadn't told any of my friends what I had been through or what, I, what, I going, what was going on. Um, so spirituality kind of took like the backseat during college. And I kind of um, used the habits and what I had learned in my teens to cope with what was going on to cope through college. Um, I didn't want to graduate, so I ended up doing a triple major. And um, I went and I got my mother's dream job, right? Like I got a job at the stock exchange and, oh, my God, my daughter's doing financial. She was in the finance district. And it was her dream, but I was so miserable. And I think that was the blessing in disguise because I felt like an alien in my workplace. I was very creative. I hated numbers. I don't even know why I was doing that. Um, But again, it was all about seeking this external validation in fulfilling my mother's dreams and doing a number on myself because I wasn't living up to what I wanted. And in fact, what I wanted was so buried underneath all the BS because I hadn't asked myself what I wanted in a long time. I was just basically reacting to everything I was going through um, and numbing the pain by doing drugs and partying. And um, so when I graduated and I finished uh, and I was in this job, I was really miserable. Um, And that's when the second blessing in disguise happened when I lost my job, when the AIG crash happened in 08. That was like the biggest blessing um, because that's when I fell into my purpose, right? Like that's when, again, I started to feel the, the supernatural. And again, it's normally, you know, it's in those moments when we're like on our knees begging to God, like, why me? Why am I going through this again? But it's those moments that are like gold because, God already listened to you and respecting everyone's belief, but whatever you believe in and whatever you're praying to is listening. And that prayer itself is setting in motion these turn of events, right? And we resist them, but they're actually exactly what's meant to change us. Those were the changes that we prayed for. So I landed on this job where I was a life coach and I loved it. I loved seeing the breakthroughs my clients were having, my teams were having. I was doing it um, as a volunteer initially for a company. And um, then I just, I fell in love with it. It's where time stopped. It's where money didn't matter. And I started to certify myself and learn as much as I can. So I got certified in NLP and noetic sciences. Like I did anything and everything that I could learn and get my hands on to further this passion of really igniting the human potential because I was one of them, right? Like I was living in this um, bubble of the matrix of paying the bills and feeling like I'm not even ahead of the game. And, you know, my partner says something really awesome where it's like, if you're making under a hundred thousand, you're still in poverty because you are literally paying, moving from paycheck to paycheck and you'll never have enough to save Um, so I was in that cycle of like, okay, what now, what now, what now? And when it fell on my lap, this whole life coaching, that was almost 10 years ago when nobody knew what the hell a life coach was. It was like the same as, um, when yoga came and people be like, yoga, what is that? Now we have yoga centers in every block. So now it's like, now I feel like everybody knows what a life coach is. And for me, it's just really about working with those people that they know and they feel like there's more, where they feel like they're stuck or where they feel like they want to make a difference but don't know how. Um, and my coaching is really around that, like really connecting people to what are their gifts, what are their magic, and what's the life that they want to live? What's that dream life? And then we reverse engineer their success and we move through beliefs and patterns, habitual patterns that have kept them in this cycle. Um, And I just work with them on really living and designing a life of their dreams and getting them to the point where they can 
use all their magic and serve the world doing what they love. That was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love the journey that you've taken and really, I mean, it's a risky journey. All the choices that you made to to leave home and to go to a brand new city. Is this during the 2000s or something or like the 90s? This and... was exactly 1999. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, New York in the 90s is different from what people know <laughs> now. New York in, in the 80s is very different. And and what's interesting is that that even though you left home, you still carried your 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 mom and her dreams and and all of that with you. It was it was almost like it's still shaping you. Uh, and the fact that you kind of broke out of it and um, discovered all these different modalities and techniques to actually uh, empower yourself and also empower others, that's really fantastic. We'll be right back. Do you have a story or a comment you'd like to share? I'd love to hear from you. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at All Possible Show. You can also connect with me directly at my own website, beingmypurpose.com. Check out Sennheiser's latest Bluetooth in-ear headphones, the HD1 Free. Premium materials and flawless craftsmanship combined with stunning Sennheiser sound all in one small and wireless package. And we're not kidding, this makes a great gift. Learn more at Sennheiser.com. And our listeners can get a 25% discount with the code MouthMediaSen at checkout. That's MouthMedia, S-E-N-N. I liked when you talked about how the things that were the most challenging and where there was probably the most resistance ended up opening up into this brand new day where you do feel like you're living your purpose. And and if anything, I see purpose as kind of taking all of all of the ups and downs of your life and then channeling it into something amazing and beautiful and empowering for, for yourself, but also really for other people where where it's almost like you're one step ahead of somebody else um and and giving back in that respect so so that's really um really rewarding i'm sure yeah no i, I love that i i think um i didn't start sharing my story until last year to be honest um because there was a, there was a lot of um thoughtfulness around like i don't want to hurt my mom and airing, you know, stuff that was going on at home. Um, but I'm really sharing my story, especially with the youth to give them evidence of what's possible and that, and for the adults too, to just, you know, we live in this society that just wants to like medicate and suppress and like even spiritual people I see do it where we live in this like bubble and we spiritually bypass things that we don't want to feel. And I think that that's where the gems are when you actually feel it and when you sit in it and you allow yourself to feel it. And, you know, one of the things I say is to feel is to heal. So when you give yourself that permission to allow those feelings to bubble up and move through you, that's when the channeling happens. That's when you start to become the alchemist. You talked about going into life coaching and kind of leaving a, the, the financial world. What, what was that process like? Was it, was it very clear that, okay, I'm going to devote my life to coaching or, or did you feel like you were still questioning yourself? Girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that we're always going to have that, that, ego voice questioning and doubting especially when we're up to a bigger game um and i was always up to huge games in my life i had these big dreams that would often have me feel like i'm an alien because 
I was around women that just wanted to find that guy and get married and get pregnant and live the white picket fence. And I'm like, no, I want to transform the world. I want to change the world. And people would be like, okay, settle down now. Um, but it was just when you're for me, when you're up to something big, you are going to have that voice questioning because it wants to keep you safe and comfortable. Um, so along my journey, oh my God, I had so many moments of just questioning myself, doubting myself. Um, the path wasn't really clear until three years into it where I was a life coach and I was doing it as a volunteer. Um, and it wasn't until I had the courage to admit to myself, oh, I really love this and I want to do this, um, that I started to then take the actions of becoming a certified coach, of becoming a certified trainer um, and working with amazing, amazing people, learning from these mentors that I've been blessed to to work with. What are the different types of projects that you ended up creating and what motivated them? And I, I know that you talked about youth and you also work with different populations too. Yeah, so I've, I've co-created and I've created on my own a lot of different um, projects. I've uh, founded three companies um, and one is called Dignity Universal where we solely focus on empowering the youth and the triangle being the youth the educators and the parents, just really creating a safe space for our children to thrive and to use their voice and to really see themselves as the solution. You know, I tell this, the, the youth all the time, like you guys have solutions that we can't even think of because we're not operating at the consciousness that you guys came in with. And if we really created the space for them to be self-expressed in their own leadership and in their own creativity, and we started listening to them, I really feel we'd be miles and miles ahead of the game um, if we included a partnership role with our youth. And um, everything I do in terms of projects is to leave a better world for them. Um, I founded Acid Love, which is an initiative that I raise funds through to support women that have been victims of acid attacks Every month, about 500 women get acid thrown in their faces, whether by a jealous mother-in-law who's losing control of her son or of a prospect of a, of a man that felt rejected. Um, and they throw the acid in their face to completely ruin their lives. Um, so I've been working both to provide trainings and provide education for them um, because once they have the acid thrown in their face, they're considered an omen and they're outcasted from their society. And the, the children are also affected. So I work a lot also with getting this, the children back into their school. Um, I also work with an orphanage in India and in Dominican Republic. And these children from India are rescued from brothels and abandoned by their families. And this is really to just um, support them with fundings and making sure that they have the basics. And when we go over there, we provide trainings to get them in that purpose conversation. Okay, what is my purpose? What do I want to create with my life? So that we can start getting them out of the um, poor me cycle, that pity party. Um, and then I founded... Um, Dignity University, along with my partner, J.D. Mitra, he and I really saw through our work with the youth, we saw our parents just really falling behind. Um, and a lot of parents that are living in survival and struggle are these martyrs for their children where they're working two, three jobs and coming home super late and still struggling um, so we have the youth being basically raised on their own. And then we have the parents who are like in this constant struggle. So we decided, you know what? Life coaching can get expensive. It's not for everybody. Um, especially like at the level that I coach high performance. Um, let's create some online programs to have adults really connect to those questions that would have them start, you know, 
lighting that fire within them, getting them curious about, okay, what does success mean to me? What do I really want? What am I passionate about? What would I do for free if money didn't exist? Um, and start pointing them towards their own answers versus having society or other people tell them how to and what to do with their lives, right? Um, so Dignity University is all about that, really empowering the adults to live a life that they can only imagine, that they can only dream of. Um, and then we founded, you know, other businesses like real estate and um, my own coaching practice, which is Creating Source. And um, this was really about creating experiences for people. So I do workshops, I do retreat, which I would love to talk to you about. Um, we're doing a retreat in February called The Metamorphosis. And it's in the Dominican Republic, and it I'm calling it the dream retreat because I'm combining all these different healing modalities as well as the transformational coaching, but also the water excursions, the whale watching, and everything is included from food, meals, water excursion, group coaching, one-on-one -on -one sessions with the different facilitators to create just basically a space for people to start diving in because, and I'm sure as you know, Julie, you are interviewing amazing people and I'm, I'm seeing what you're up to. You, we are electric magnetic radio transmitters and we are sending out the, these vibrations, these frequencies, but we're also attracting them. And it's, I wanted to create an incubator space for people to dive in and create their year from the inside out to really get them conscious and aligned to what is it that they want and on an energetic level, let's get you to that frequency. So that's really what I do through my coaching, through my workshops, through my retreats, is just creating these spaces for people to start being aware of where they're operating from and start getting committed to where they want to be. That's fantastic. There's, you should come. Yeah, <laughs> you, you're doing quite a lot. And we haven't even touched upon the real estate part that you just talked about. Um so you work with different populations and I'm wondering for, for some of our listeners, like, you know, we all, we all have ideas. We all have projects or nonprofits or social enterprises yeah. that we want to create. Um, even if we're, you know, still at a, a nine to five job. And, and one question that, that comes up is how, how do you determine who, you want to serve because there's there's just so many people who who we can serve so it seems like you've you've developed a number of different projects all of which i'd say are very unique um, in you. terms of the the target you know audience that you're looking to empower how did you how did you choose that how did like what was the thought process behind it or like, did you, did you see yourself in some of these people? Like, was it more of a personal relationship with, um, you know, the challenges that they've gone through? Yeah. Honestly, I can see myself in anyone, um, because I, I just really feel that we're great mirrors. Um, I think the, the projects chose me. I know it sounds cliche, but being, having such a troubled youth and, um, going through, the dysfunction at home um, from physical abuse, verbal abuse, and just really seeing my mom go through that search of finding the one. I felt like I, I was, um, like being there for the youth was something that just came naturally to me because of what I had experienced. Um, but when I work with clients, I give them these three questions to kind of get to who and what and where do you want to serve? Um, one of the things that I ask is, and this isn't even my question, this I got from Marie Folio's B-School program, like what breaks your heart about the world? What really breaks your heart about the world? And for me, that was such a long list. <laughs> <laughs> Everything. <laughs> um, so I was like, okay, that didn't help. But it narrowed down like all the different parts of the world that really broke my heart. Then I had a, a mentor, her name was, um, she was actually the wife of, of one of my mentors. Her name's Afreen Khan. And she said, 
what pisses you off about the world? And I was like, oh, okay. And I was able to narrow it down. And it was really clear to me that what pissed me off was seeing people not live up to their full potential. Because when I meet people, I can just intuitively know um, what you're great at and how you can serve, right? Um, So that became very apparent to me. Okay, that is what pisses me off. When I see people not living up to their full potential and kind of just wasting away their potential. And then the third question um, is a two-part question. And this one we do in our programs. and, And it's really... If money didn't exist, what would you do? What would you do for free? And that starts getting people disconnected from the obligation role, the duties and obligation. I got to make money for my for my family. That's what drives men, right? And women, I got to make money for my independence, for my freedom, or to give an example to my children. Um, and some people, it's just, I got to make money to pay the bills. So once you disconnect them from that, um, obligation and duty role, then you're in this space of imagination and creativity. And a lot of people's real answers start coming forth. Okay. If money didn't exist, I would actually do this. And then you follow it up with a question. Okay. Why, why would you do that? Why would you do that with your time? Um, and then the other question that I usually do in my coaching is if you had that one year left, what would it look like? What would you do? What would you do? Oh, man, I would travel the world. Honestly, I I get asked this a lot um, just because I'm, I'm in this amazing mastermind and this mentor asks this question a lot to just get us present to the urgency of living this moment now. Um, and I think it's traveling the world, sharing my story, continuing to do what I do, coaching, uh, mentoring, um, doing workshops, retreats, but also really highlighting the good that's being done in the world. I think just because of how our brains are wired, we we tend to focus on the bad. Like if I told you, if I asked you, Julie, where were you on 9-11, you'd probably like remember it to a T what you were wearing, where you were, because our brains are wired that way. So we have to actually put in more effort and focus on what are the good things happening throughout the day to day that we're not seeing because we're in our rat race that we are not giving attention to. Coming up next, you'll hear more of this story. We'll be right back. This is Vikram Iyer, former advisor to President Barack Obama. Have you been opening your Twitter account or Facebook feeds or even just talking to families and friends and wondering what the heck is going on in this country? Well, it's not as bad as you think, but we're going to unpack that for you. Join me at the American Enough podcast on the Mouth Media Network as we unpack the policies, executive orders, and daily kerfuffles that are shaping not just this administration, but the modern face of America's politics. Episodes available at AmericanEnoughPodcast.com and everywhere the best podcasts are found. As a woman... And as a Latina, how does that play into how you see yourself in the world and some of the projects that you've created? Um, wow, that's a good trick question because I don't let the, the factor of being a woman or a Latina kind of like lead me. Um, but I have noticed that my experiences have, like in the sense that um, growing up and seeing my mom be in this verbally, physically abusive relationship really shaped me to be with men in a certain way, right? And um, be on this constant like defense and offense and just kind of like... Um, 
subconsciously without even being aware of it, like recreating that relationship that I saw at home. Um, so when I work with women and mostly I work with women entrepreneurs that, um, are looking to leave an impact, are looking to create a name, a, a brand for themselves. Um, but we always touch on relationships because for me, relationships is the curriculum, right? We're all in relationships and whether even it's with people, we're also in relationships with money. We're in relationships with time. Um, so how we relate to one another really plays a big role on our success as people. Um, so a lot of the work that I do is to get women really present to their values and their values. This isn't being taught in school, Julie, and I feel like it should like, oh my God, we need just a class on values. And then we need a class just on boundaries because your values, once you start practicing these values, like a muscle, they start defining your boundaries. And this is where now you get to be that goddess warrior in holding your boundaries in place because these boundaries go on to create a safe space for you to blossom and to grow. And for even if in our context of a friendship, our boundaries would support you and I to grow as friends, right? And I think we don't lead with that in our relationships of really asking ourselves, and this applies to both women and men and I strongly encourage, you know, the, for the listeners to really start planting that, those seeds, even with your children. What are your values? And one of them for me, my top one is freedom. And am I creating a life? Am I creating a business that reflects that value? Right? Because that's the only way I'm going to be in it to win it. That's the only way that I'm going to be um, excited and inspired. So for me, working with women and really honoring their values defining their boundaries, and then going out there and really being that 10, right? They all are, everyone, men and women, as human beings, we all do, we want that man to be perfect. We want that woman to be perfect. And are you, am I, showing up as that to attract that man, to attract that woman? Are we really showing up as a 10? Are we really showing up consistently as who we want to be remembered as? And I think the more we can ask ourselves that question and the more we can be honest with ourselves, then we're creating this space of authenticity. Yes, we all do. We all make mistakes. Um, and through that communication and through that acknowledging of our boundaries, of our values, we can now create a space where you can have your mistakes and I can have my mistakes and we can talk about it and we can talk about what I made up about those mistakes, right? Like, you know, Julie, you left, you forgot to do this and I made up that I didn't matter to you. And once we can start having those conversations and getting that we're adding all the meaning to it and then it's running our relationships as if we didn't have the power, as if we didn't create that meaning um, in the first place, right? So we create all this meaning and I do this too. And then we allow that meaning to run our day. And before you know it, all these illusions and all these stories have won the day. So the other thing that I wanted to mention also is really being in the space of seeing people anew every day. I think we can get into these stories of who people are and we can hold them fixed. And every day, every morning, you're new. And if we hold people in that light of newness, then we approach people with curiosity and with intrigued and really being interested in who they are versus creating the space that holds them in this prison, this matrix prison, this energetic prison of only showing up as who you say they are, because that's the power that we have. And the moment we become victim to our relationships, to our situations, to our circumstances, we're actually forfeiting our power to transform them. And that's what we all have. We have the ability to creatively transform any situation into anything, but we got to take responsibility first. Mm. That kind of reminds me of how we 
it's very easy for us to live in the past and to have, you know, very real things and very real situations or challenges or emotions impact how we perceive ourselves and other people. I mean, even the example of, you know, when you were saying that you um, had left home and still your mom was, <laughs> was, was there. And, and that's, that's the case for me, you know, sometimes um, mom's voice will be in my mind kind of dictating how I make decisions because it's just so ingrained. And, and the idea of looking at someone anew, it takes, it takes practice. I mean, it takes a, a very strong intention, especially if it's in the morning or something, when we first wake up, very strong intention to, to keep that up. So how, how would you recommend for people to actually stick with that? Like is, you know, what do you do? Are there rituals? Is there yeah. a way to, to just keep reminding ourselves? It's almost like hitting ourselves in the head every time. It's like, <laughs> oh, it's a brand new slate, new slate, new slate. Yeah. And, and to be, to be in the present. Yeah. And, and that's really it. What you just said, that last word, really being in the present moment. Um, because the ego lives in the past and the future, right? So being in the present and this, you know, the first five minutes of your day is everything. So if you first start creating awareness, what do I do the first five minutes of waking up? Do I go for my phone? Do I kind of like sit there and hit snooze a few times? Or am I the type of person that like gets up, makes my shake, goes take a shower, fixes my bed? Because those first five minutes are, is actually where you are creating the context of your day. So after you've created awareness of where those five minutes go, both at the thought level and at, on the doing level, what do you do? Then you start really to exercise your creator role. So the first five minutes, whether it's a few minutes of breathing, doing mindfulness meditation, where you're just really focusing on the breath, closing your eyes, doing a few minutes of gratitude, um, I like to read a passage every morning from a book called A Year of Miracles by Marian Williamson. Love her context. Um, and I read one every morning. I do a few minutes of meditation. I do a few minutes of gratitude. And then I move. So I'll do like a couple of sun salutations. And not every day is the same because for some reason I have yet to have the breakthrough in consistency in my spiritual practices, <laughs> I go with what feels good. So some days I'll put in a, some music, some worship songs, some mantras, and I'll jam it out. Um, some days I'll sit in front of my altar in complete silence and do a f like 15 minutes of silent meditation. So every day is different. Um, but really having a spiritual practice, whatever it looks like for you, and don't have it feel like a chore. So go with what feels good for you and test different things out, right? Like sometimes I'll just sit there and hold my crystals and sit in Lotus. Um, so go with what feels right for you and set your intention. Okay. What is the intention? And I love, um, one of, when you break down the word intention and you hyphen it out in dash tent dash I O N. And for me that really like in being in the tent of the one. So when you set your intention, it's almost like having this prayer of surrender. All right, God, lead me where you want me to go. Have me say what you want me to say. Have me be the light to whoever I meet in front of me. Have me like whatever you need to say to surrender your thoughts and your actions and your words to this higher power to flow through you and remembering that you're simply a vessel that you are not the water, that you're the vessel, and that your job is to be a completely open channel so that life and miracles can flow through you as you and show up. Um, and that's going to require you getting out of your own way. So just having that spiritual practice is so fundamental. And that will start having you be in this presence of 
really being present to this magnificent human being that's in front of you and all they have to offer. Um, and then this person has the permission to show up as they're meant to. You talk about the vessel yeah. and, and kind of leaving it up to the higher power, whatever that may be, whether it's God, the light, love, whatever, whatever it is for you. Where does free will come in? This is such a great question, girl. We'll need like a whole other hour for that <laughs> one alone. <laughs> because this is how I kind of phrase it. Whatever you believe is true, because it's true for you. And whatever your principles are, whatever you hold as agreements, whether you believe in free will or not, will show up in your reality as such. So whatever you give power to, whatever you agree, whatever beliefs, right? The universe is made up of beliefs and boundaries. The moment you have agreed to a certain belief, you're giving it power to construct your matrix, your reality as that principle, right? So for me, I do believe that we come into this life with a curriculum, an assignment, a purpose, just like the fingerprint is uniquely bestowed upon you. No two twins have the same fingerprint, by the way. So I think you have a unique blueprint to fulfill on. And that has lessons and that has um, things that you're, journeys that you're going to embark on. And you are at a choice, right? You are at a choice to get distracted, to forget, what you were up to, to be in so immersed in this world that you forget your spiritual rememberings. Um, but I do believe that once you remember, we have those moments when we remember, is when those moments you, those are the moments that you reset the GPS. And the soul is constantly just trying to reroute to your destination. So... I believe that, yes, we do have free will and the will of this higher power is going to flow through you regardless, right? It may take more time. It may take more bumps in the road. And I guess that's where the free will plays a part. However, if you do some research on um, the science behind spirituality and you research the God particle theory on an on a scientific level, they're already saying that consciousness, this energy, these cells, which they're calling it now the God particle, has a destination because it continuously tries to move towards a, a specific direction. So when you take that, those findings into account, then if everything is energy, there is a flow. And we just get to merge with the flow, stop resisting the flow and move with it because we are being guided. And it's just a matter of how much or how little we're listening. That's a fascinating topic. I love and that topic. We can probably <laughs> devote many, many more hours to talking about that. But it's, a, it's an interesting balance yeah. of, of kind of surrendering to to you know the blueprint as you say like purpose on a soul level and i like the idea of constantly resetting the gps because it does seem at least in my life whenever i resist something and that's usually the ego saying no 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 you know, this is too <laughs> different or i'm scared or i don't want to fail that new opportunities to express myself in that way always come up and and there, there can be a fear, at least from the ego perspective, that if I don't take this opportunity now, that, that that's it, that the chance will disappear. And that's sort of a fear of, of time, even like time and, you know, am I doing the right thing and, and all of those things. And what I've found is that, that there will always be opportunity and, and it's still a constant choice of whether or not we choose to express ourselves in that way. So it's interesting. It's a, uh, it's a balance and 
and also just it's just mind-blowing to try to even you know understand what is going on on a universal or or a scientific level so so thank you for that for that discussion so we're um at this point how can our listeners get in touch with you or learn more about your work yeah absolutely so they can definitely reach me at my website michellegiovanni.com um or on the company side, um, dignity.university. That's no.com on that one, just dignity.university. And if they're interested in the retreat, it's happening President's Day weekend in 2018, right in the middle of Valentine's and President's Day weekends. Um, and that website is callingallgamechangers.com. Awesome. Thank well, you so much, Julie, for having me. You're welcome. I was going to thank you for for taking the time and for sharing your story and for for doing all of these amazing projects. Uh, it's you. it's uh it's definitely heartwarming to see how challenges can then spawn, you know, beautiful things and I I really hope that that all of our listeners can um, can keep doing the work they're doing because I'm sure a lot of them are also kind of on this path. And also when 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 they see challenges in this way, to be inspired to create something beautiful for others out of it. Yes. So thank you again, and thank you to you, our listener. And until next time, be on the lookout for all possibilities. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at All Possible Show. Episodes are available on iTunes, Google Play, and our website, allpossibilitiesshow.com. This show is produced by Mouth Media Network, copyright 2017, all rights reserved. No portion of the show may be distributed or published without the expressed written permission of the producers. Thank you for joining us. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.